All right, so I want you to think about, uh, to, to help get us uh, started today, to get us thinking about the theme, I want you to think about uh, an encounter that, you had, that you've had with someone um, that really changed, changed your life in some way, where there, you, know, just, you have one of those situations with someone, where something happens there that hits you at the heart level, you know what I mean? Um, there's a few I can think about, but uh, the one that comes to mind for me, well, two that come to mind for me, would be the birth of our children. Though, though you talk about an encounter <laughs> there, and uh, you know it's one of those things with those sorts of things. If you're if if you know that it might be coming, you try and prepare for it. You know, you try and prepare for it the best you can. So you uh, talk to friends who have gone before you, have walked the brave road ahead of you and who've had kids of their own, you talk to them, what's it going to be like, you know, and maybe even hold their children a little bit and, and try and get an idea. And, uh, and also maybe even read up on some books to study what it's going to be like. Randy did a lot better at that than I did. I, I had good intentions. <laughs> we watched a documentary together, I remember. That was helpful. And, <laughs> and uh, but so you try and prepare yourself, you know, and uh, you get these ideas of what it's going to be like. But then when you're in that moment, when it actually happens, you know, when you hear them cry for the first time, that was the big thing for me. When you actually hear them cry and you realize, oh my goodness, there's another human being in the, in the world here now. And uh, when you look into their face, I remember seeing Dorian and they, uh, he had a little indent on his forehead. I remember thinking, what's going on there? But it was, it's all these things sinking in. Or um, when, when Morgan was born, she wanted to to focus so badly, I think, but her eyes were all cross-eyed, trying to focus. She wanted to know what was going on right then and there, and uh, true to her, her character, she wanted to control the situation. And uh, so, but I remember those things, right, and it just really sinks in. You have an encounter that really changes your life. Those ideas, it's not like they go away, but they get filled with all this new meaning. And it's kind of meaning that you can't fully describe, right? It's at that heart level. And there's a bond there. There's a relationship that started at that, that deep level. And I think that God knows that about us, right? That we need those kinds of moments in order to develop good relationships. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today when we're talking about God's love. And we're going to be reading from Luke where we get the, um, where he tells us how Jesus was born, the incarnation. And we're going to be talking about how God came so that we could have an encounter with God. That God came in the flesh so that we could really have those life-changing encounters with him. And our, our series, what we're doing is we're telling the story, but we're also learning about evangelism as we go. God's way of doing evangelism. So we see here that God's way is to become what he's trying to save. He becomes human for the purpose of encounter. And we're going to talk about that, what we can learn about evangelism from that. So let's dive in. We're going to read from uh, Luke 1, 76 to 79 first. And then we're going to read uh, Luke 2, the beginning of Luke 2. And 77, or 76 to 79, it's the last little part of this amazing speech, this amazing prophecy from Zechariah, who is John, who will become John the Baptist. It's his father speaking here. And he's kind of celebrating, prophesying right now about what is going to happen through John and through Jesus. So the words I'm taking it up at here are 76. And he's talking to his son here. His son's just been born. And he says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. So Zechariah here is really outlining what's going to happen in the future here, what's going to happen through John and Jesus. And he's talking about how John is going to have a special role to play. He's going to pave the way for, for the coming Messiah, for the, for the Lord. And he's going to do it by bringing people to repentance, uh, so to speak. That, that talking about forgiveness of sins there. They're talking about, he's talking about his people. He's talking about the Israelites and asking and talking about how John's going to have this ministry of turning them back to God. Because that's what repentance is all about. His, the, these people and all of us that Paul talks about, all humanity, was on a trajectory away from God. And repentance is all about changing that trajectory. Changing kind of the course of your life and, and what your heart's attached to and all that. So he's, John's going to bring his people to repent and turn back to God where they'll find forgiveness. Well, they'll find forgiveness. And Jesus talks about this so many times that when we turn to God, that's what we find, a forgiving Heavenly Father who loves us. And then he gets into, he talks about there how it's, um, he's going to tell his people how to find salvation. And I love that. That word salvation, we talked a little bit about that in our, um, our spiritually healthy series, our, our series on spiritual health. And how that word salvation there, you see, it's so much more than even forgiveness of sins. That's this new connection with God. That's this, your heart, your life being awakened to the kingdom, to now receive life from the kingdom, to receive eternal life. John's going to point people to that because he's going to point people to Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about what Jesus is going to do, what's happening in Jesus' birth. It says that because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. And it uses those great analogies or that great analogy of light and darkness, which we've seen before. And it comes throughout scripture quite often comes up. And light, if you kind of read through the different passages that you see it, it's it's talking about God's life, that light stands for life, light stands for truth, it stands for order, it even stands for God's presence. And that's about to break into our sphere, God's life, God's presence, God's order and truth is about to break into our reality, he's saying here. And it's going to be for those who are presently in the darkness. So that contrast there is so great. It's going to mean life instead of death, as it says, living in the sh- under the shadow of death. It's going to mean order and peace and harmony instead of chaos. It's going to mean knowledge and experiencing God's presence as opposed to being ignorant of God and not knowing that he's there. All of that is about to come. And the image here, I love it, it's of a sunrise. In the NIV, it actually uses that. It's going light's coming, a sunrise is coming. And I think about our Canadian uh, springs, I think, or springtime is a good one for me to imagine this. You imagine the, like a spring 
uh, dawn where it's still really cold. It's dark, it's cold, and then you see the sunrise coming on the horizon. And you imagine feeling the warmth of that sunrise, seeing the light from the sunrise. And then even think about what the, the sun does for us, bringing life. And you get the picture of what Zechariah is saying here that's happening. And important about this is that Jesus is going to guide us to the way of peace, the path of peace. Luke, this is a theme for him. Jesus is bringing peace. He's showing people the way of peace. And that there is big picture stuff, I think. This is really getting at what God's ultimate goal is here for humanity, for, for why he's sending Jesus. He wants to make possible peace. Peace amongst people, which is grounded in peace with God. Peace with God, even relationship with God, even friendship with God. And I love how it says that this is all because of God's tender mercy. It's all because of God's tenderness and love for humanity that this is happening. That's the motivation there. So that sets us up, I'd say, really nicely for what Luke's going to bring next, which is the narrative of Jesus' birth. And with that in mind, let's read that together. Luke 2, uh, starting at verse 1. We're just going to read a few verses. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census uh, taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So Luke's great. He gives us these historical details here. We're rooted in history. We're rooted in historical context. And it goes on. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. This passage, I think when you bring it together with what Zechariah just said, there's, it's just so full, you know. And it's kind of ironic what's going on here. It's kind of like now we've gotten the inside scoop of what's happening, and now we're looking from afar, seeing Jesus being born. Seeing, and it doesn't mention him by name yet. It says that just, you know, Mary is going there with Joseph, and their child is born. For a casual onlooker, this is just another birth. But for those of us who are in the know now, we know that this is no ordinary birth that's going on here. And why is that? Well, the light of God, the peace of God, the life of God, God's very presence is breaking into our reality. And it's in the form of a newborn baby. John puts it this way. In John 1, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John gives us the very epic version of what's happening here from the eternal perspective. God's word, God himself, come as a baby, come in the flesh. And that's, that right there in John, when it become flesh, that's where we get that word incarnation from. The, the Latin there, I'm not too good at Latin, but I, so I looked this up. So if I'm wrong, blame the internet. But uh, so it, it's, it, that become flesh there is incarno. Hence, where we get incarnation. But that's important. So God's way of, of working here is to come in the flesh. God's light, God's life is coming 
in human form. It's quite a twist in the plot if you are kind of following this from as an Israelite up to this point and you're reading through Scripture. It's something that no one could have guessed, but here it is. And I want to just uh, sit there for a moment and reflect upon that. Reflect upon this idea of God coming, God incarnate, God coming in the flesh. And we see that if we're talking about God's way of doing evangelism, we see that that's important to God. God doesn't just stand back and kind of speak words from heaven. Um, He doesn't even just send representatives to come and speak to us. He comes himself, and he comes as one of us, God incarnate, God enfleshed. And that's because of his purposes. That's because of his goals for us, that God wants relationship. God wants that encounter to be possible between us and God. And I want to dig into that a little bit more because a kind of a popular way, I'd say, of approaching God, if you go back, it's, it's an age-old one. You kind of go back to the ancient Greeks who made this one popular, and it's definitely had its influence on Christianity. And this is one i got to watch out for. But there's a way of relating to God where you keep it at the idea level. You know, you keep it at that abstract level. And as I said, Plato and Aristotle, they're kind of the ones who are known as the ones who kind of got this going. They looked at God. They talked about God a lot. But for them, it was at that abstract level. So they looked at the universe and then imagined what God would be like in an ideal sense. So they saw how the universe is in motion. Everything is in motion. So for them, God is the prime mover, the one who got it all started, which is true, right? Um, but that's kind of where they, the theme is here. That's where they're leaving it in that idea level. Or God is the source of all the goodness around us. They looked around and saw how much goodness and beauty there was in the world. So they thought of God as that ideal goodness and beauty, the source of it all. Or even the ground of existence, the, the, where everything gets its being from. That's what Plato and Aristotle said about God. That's where they stayed, or sorry, that's where they started, and that's kind of where they stayed. But the thing about ideas and the thing about ideals is you can't have a friendship with those, right? You can't have an actual relationship with those things. So hence, God coming, that ground of being, that prime mover, that source of all goodness, source of all love came in human form so that we could have that encounter, so that we could have a relationship. Because relationship's only possible when you have that encounter. And I'm sure you can think of situations in your life where that's been true. Another example for me was uh, when Randy and I met. I didn't tell her I was going to tell this. But uh, prior to that, Randy was just an ideal (laughs) for me. A very pretty ideal that I looked at from afar. But I didn't know her yet personally. Because we we had a a couple classes together. And uh, we were in university together in the same, uh, similar programs. And so I saw Randy from afar. I'd see her walk in and think, oh, she's pretty, pretty interesting. And uh, I kind of <laughs> just <laughs> put it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I would kind of think, oh, I'd like to somehow, you know, get to know her, that sort of thing. But she just, for a while there, a whole semester, she, I just knew her as, as an idea and someone that I could kind of look at from afar. But then finally, come exam time, I got the chance to at least say hi. I I can't remember even what happened, but we ended up being able to say hi. I think you asked me a question, and I'm like, perfect. We've said hi. We're on speaking terms now. 
So from there, I knew come that, uh, you know, after Christmas when we were back in class together, I could say hi to her. We could start talking. Little did I know she had a boyfriend at the time. So we had to kind of take, I had to take things slow. <laughs> but uh, that encounter there <laughs> made all the difference, right? Randy went from just kind of being someone that I could look at from afar, wonder what she's like, wonder what she'd be like to talk to, wonder what she'd be like to hang out with, to actually it was starting to happen. <laughs> and from there we became friends, started dating, and the rest is history. <laughs> so God knows, okay, I'm moving back to God here. Um, God knows that that's what we need with him. <laughs> he can't just stay at that idea level. He can't just stay at that level where we're kind of thinking about him from afar. Hence why he came as a baby and grew up as a human so that people could have a real encounter with him, a life-changing encounter, so that people could start entering into that close relationship, that close friendship. And there's a couple of things that I just want to mention before we talk about what that means for us in terms of evangelism. Because what's really remarkable about God's way of doing evangelism is what it means for God. <laughs> and you see it in this passage. You see kind of the roots of it in this passage, and it's going to keep happening time and time again throughout Jesus' life. But by coming this way, it, leaves, it means that God is really opening himself up to vulnerability <laughs> and to even rejection. You see that here in the passage. The God of the universe, come as a baby, now needs his mother to swaddle him in cloths, as it says, to, to keep him warm and put him in a manger. Vulnerability, real vulnerability there. And also potential for real rejection. It, it, there's no room for Jesus and his family at the inn. The God of the universe who made it, the possibility of inns has to rely on vacancy at an inn, at which there is none. So there's that already that start of a little bit of rejection there. And we know, fast forward in Jesus' life, that's a theme that will continue on. This, there's, there is rejection there. And there's no room for Jesus in the end on planet Earth, it seems, because people just, in the end, wanted him dead. So that's something that's very important to keep in mind here about God's way of doing evangelism. It's real relationship, and real relationship needs vulnerability and the possibility for rejection. And we see that right here in Luke's narrative of these events. So now just to, to finish off, I wanted to talk a little bit about what this means for us. What this means for, to us for Christ followers, what it means to us as part of the Big C Church, as part of a, a peer community. Because we're learning about how to do evangelism God's way. We're learning about that. And God's way is to become incarnate, to become flesh, become like, and actually become one of those he's reaching out to uh, for the sake of encounter. And we need to keep that in mind too when we're um, talking about evangelism, when we're doing evangelism. And there's a lot we could go into with that. I invite you to kind of talk about it if your small group's going through it, if your peer group's going through it. But the avenue that I wanted to go through yeah, just now briefly is this idea that God still wants his, his love, his light, his goodness to be enfleshed or embodied. And now that passes on to us as the church through the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like mind-blowing. It's almost like you can't really think that it's true because it just sounds so far-fetched. But the New Testament keeps coming back to it again and again. 
I mean, we know the church is called the body of Christ. That's a very familiar image. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8 to 9 about this idea of light. It's, he says that you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the, light, the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, in truth. So God's light, it might seem like it was being extinguished at the cross, but it continues on. And God, it, God's way of doing evangelism now is through us to show his, his light and his truth and his goodness. When we love others, when we, when we come together to do good things <laughs> like the healthy essential bags, God's light shines through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's light is enfleshed again, so to speak. And it's the same is true about God's love. In 1 John, um, sorry, I forgot to write down the chapter. It's later on. I think it's uh, chapter 5 or so. It's verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. That's pretty remarkable. When we love each other, God's love is enfleshed in us. God's love is brought to full expression in us because God lives in us. He goes on to say that all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. So God, following God's way of doing evangelism is being aware of that, is being aware that God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to become incarnate in his church. And so that people can have, continue to have, real encounters with the God of the universe. That people can have encounters with Jesus. Leslie Newbegin writes this really powerfully about the church. I love going back to him again and again, because he's just written so much good things about mission and missional, uh, the missional church. He says, the church's existence is in the act of being the bearer of the salvation that we're talking about here to the whole world. So we exist in order to be the bearer of God's salvation. He says other, in another spot to be the foretaste of that salvation. So God's salvation is happening in our midst. God's kingdom is happening in our communities, in the, the church, the Jesus communities so that we can show others God's kingdom and so that they can really experience and encounter God's kingdom. And, you know, as I said, this kind of seems far-fetched maybe at times, but I know I can point to really key moments in my life when this is certainly true, when I've encountered God in Christian, loving Christian community. I, I think especially when people pray for me, when there's been times when I've just been going through a really tough time, and people come around me and lay their hands on me, and there's that encounter there. You know this is just more than just kind of people praying or speaking. It's more than just human love that's happening there. There's this real Holy Spirit love happening. There's a real encounter with God, and that has really kind of spurred me on, and I look to those as real benchmarks kind of in my faith journey. And I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure there's times when someone reached out to you or when you've had a worship service together or you're doing outreach in some way. You're, you're together as a team and you just sense God's presence in that. And then people are affected by that. And I think that that is just, it's really important to keep in mind. And, and I know it kind of, it's kind of scary in a way, you know. It's kind of puts maybe more on our shoulders than what we would be comfortable with. Because I know there's one line of thinking, and I've heard this before, 
where it's kind of like, yeah, maybe the church is really messing up, but don't look at the church, look at Jesus, and then you'll see what God is like. And certainly there's truth to that, obviously. When we study, when we learn about Jesus through Scripture, we are learning about God. That's our best vision of God. And and certainly when the church is really kind of messing up, God has his ways of revealing himself to people. But the thing is, it's in spite of the church in those situations. God's desire is that we as a community really provide a place, working with the Holy Spirit, um, where people can encounter God, provide places. So in our times of worship, it's a chance for people to encounter God, to have that life-changing moment um, when we are serving together and really just sharing Christ's love. It's a chance for people to encounter God. And that's a, a really powerful thought. It's one that I think that we just need to kind of keep in mind again and again, uh, especially through Christmas when we're reflecting on God coming as a human and remembering that, you know, that's God's way of doing evangelism, and it needs to be ours as well. So I'm going to uh, call the, the worship band up now, and we're going to sing a part of another song, and we're going to go into communion. And so this is a chance for us to reflect on this even more and in a really powerful way. And uh, just as they're coming up, there's this verse in Revelation um, that talks about kind of the end goal of all of this. It's this idea that we are the light in the world for a time. But there's going to be a time when things change, when Christ comes again. And it says there that uh, in Revelation 22, 5, when, when Jesus comes again, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. And that's the vision that we have, what's, what's coming. <laughs> There's another sunrise yet to come. There's another encounter <laughs> yet to come. And we're in that in-between time where we have this privilege of serving together. But we, like John and like Zechariah and Mary, we too are waiting for another advent when God comes again. So that's another thing <laughs> for us to keep in mind. Great. So let's, um, let's sing together. You can kind of stay seated, whatever you, whatever you prefer. If you want to stand, that's no problem too. And uh, we're going to sing a song about how, how God works in all of this. <laughs>